Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about the Dungeons & Dragons movie, as well as the Psionics Unearthed Arcana. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Mm -hmm. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Saturday morning. We are so close to December. It's crazy. This is the last Saturday of November. Uh, hope you had a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, and I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, we have a special guest here on the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Uh, all the way from the other room, we have this little this little guy here. We have little baby Oliver. Look at that. Hey, buddy. <laughs> How you doing? He uh, wanted to say hi last week. Oh, I should like hold him out of the mic stand. He wanted to say hi last <laughs> week, but he was uh, a little cranky. But he's doing better today, aren't you, buddy? Yeah, whoa, I'm top heavy. <laughs> I'm a great dad. All right, we're going to let him go back to mom, and we will continue. Uh, but thank you so much, uh, my wife, for letting me show off my baby. <laughs> Her baby. Her baby, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Our baby, we'll say that. Um, <laughs> we are a Dungeons & Dragons show, and we talk about all things D&D and the games that we play. And there is a bit of of news and information in the world of Dungeons and Dragons that we would like to talk about um, now that we're all distracted by babies and what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, but first, did you have a good Thanksgiving, sir? I did. Did uh, you play for... every single game for Thanksgiving? <clears throat> no, I did yeah. go through my Steam library a little bit, but um, yeah, Thanksgiving for my family is all about just kind of hanging out with just the immediate family, not going out and doing a lot of things. I know a lot of other people like to travel and visit and they do big dinners and all those kind of crazy movies that kind of show you that kind of stuff. But for us, it's kind of a solo act where we just kind of stay home with each other and hang out and have a whole week and get stuff done here at the house, which is nice. Yeah, And it's really always nice. refreshing at the end of the year to kind of have something like that where you have a three or four days of just, you know, just not a lot of extra stuff going on. So it was really good for us. Really good battery recharger. That's awesome. Yeah. With the new baby, we were very uh, set on not doing anything crazy for mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. Uh, so like my family went somewhere else and then other family went somewhere else. And so we were left alone, but it's exactly what we wanted. And we just had a nice uh, watching movies and taking care of Oliver and it's great. So we had a great Thanksgiving uh, it was and nice. next year you'll be planning like a birthday party just before Thanksgiving. Exactly. So now you've got like two big things happening all right at the same time there. <laughs> no, like the end of the, like my birthday is in October and now we got a November birthday and then you got Christmas. It's just, yeah, that's, a, that's that an expensive three months. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, there's so much, there's so many things going on. Well, not really, but, um, well, I thought it was a pretty good week. I thought it was, it was a good news week. week. No, uh, yeah. I'm trying to open my Unearthed Arcana because we got another Unearthed Arcana. They're just <laughs> pumping these out like crazy. Yes. And this one was on Psionics. Now, we've seen, have we seen Psionics before? Or was it just the Mystic Blade that I'm thinking of? I think we've seen, this is probably their third run at it in a very different run. Like each, like 
in some of the other things, you would get a UA article and they might be similar. So you might get Artificer and then you get Artificer again and they're kind of similar, but some things are changed. Right. The psionics piece has always been, let's try it this way. Let's try it mechanically this way, completely right. different. And here's a third one. Let's try it mechanically this way, as if they're feeling out the best way to introduce psionics. So I think it's clear they want psionics. I think they're just trying to figure out what's the best way to put it into fifth edition. You yeah. know, they're trying the different ways. So no, what'd sure. you think of it? Um, no, I, I, well, okay. So I, just to be clear for everybody, they released three psionic like subtypes mm-hmm. for the fighter rogue and wizard. Um, the fighter seems fine. Like I didn't really feel like he was super psionicness, I guess. I don't know, but it's kind of, it's kind of like, you have to reflavor things. So you get mage hand as a cantrip and you can cast it without components and your, your hand is invisible. So basically you can levitate stuff with your mind a lot like the gith. Um, Mm -hmm. and then you got some other interesting things, uh, like, I don't know, increase your attack power and things like that. Um, so it was, it just, I don't know. It was okay. Like the psychic warrior was okay. Uh, and then the roguish archetype, which was, uh, well, it just says roguish archetype. I guess I'm looking at it, um, but you get a soul knife. And I thought this was really cool. You're kind of like, uh, what's that? Uh, what's that X-Men that has like the, the psionic blades in her hands. I can't think of her yeah, name. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, it was right Psylocke? there. And then when you said it, Psylocke, there it's you Psylocke. go. There you go. So it reminded <laughs> me of Psylocke. And I kind of like that idea of having these bonus action. I can summon these weapons with me at all times. I guess I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for that. Cause I like the, the warlock that can do that where you can summon a weapon. And I like my uh, art Eldritch Knight where I can throw a weapon and then bonus action, have it reappear in my hand. Um, that's just kind of a fun, a fun idea that, uh, I'm waiting for a campaign where they're like, hey, no weapons are allowed in this in this building or this town. And you're like, oh, sure. And you hand over your weapon. And then when a fight breaks out, you like summon it into your hand. And it's just awesome. I am a weapon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was really cool. Uh, again, a couple of little like Sonic stuff kind of all revolving around um, the blade. But like later on, you could remine. But what I really liked was the wizard arcane tradition of psionics. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't over the top or anything. It wasn't like revolutionary, but it it put into perspective that you can do a lot in D&D with themed abilities and spells. Mm-hmm. And uh it seemed with the the uh the path for wizard is they were saying like listen, uh, you're you're technically a wizard. You can select from any spell, but if you want to be a psionic wizard, you really should focus on these spells that have a psionic theme to them, or spells that are easy for you to change into being um, a psionic ability. So, like Mage Hand, or uh, like probably not Fireball, but like Dominate Creature or Suggestion or things like that. And mm-hmm. I do this a lot with my characters because I think it's really fun to make like a themed character. Like I want to, I want to make like a spore druid, but I'm going to take all of these raised dead and things like that. And you're not necessarily going to take Goodberry as a spore druid, you know, and, right. and things like that. And so theming your your abilities around, and it got me thinking: Is this the next wave of D and D where they kind of just like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make psionics and we're gonna throw out a couple new spells like Mind Spike and things like that. But but for the most part, it's up to you, the players, to kind of not not min-max and create the best possible character you can, but re- rather create a themed character that will fit into whatever mold you're trying to push your character. I don't know. 
because you can do this all the time. Like my fireball's green or I don't know, mm-hmm. like my, uh, uh, my black tentacles are actually like vines or something. You know, you can you can yeah. change it up however you want, and mathematically, it's still the same. But or, what did you or think? kind of a harken back to when you were thinking about building Iron Man as a D and D character, and you were thematically saying, "Well, how does he fly?" Right. Well, he he casts the fly spell, but in reality, something pops out from his legs or his yeah. arms, and he's a warforged or something like yeah. that. So there's always that way to theme and I and I like that idea that that encourages the players to be creative about the spells and how they look so that you don't have to have a tome of 10,000 spells, right? You don't have to have 50 different types of fly where I cast fly and I get wings and I cast fly and this one is like I'm Superman and I cast mm-hmm. fly and I have a a stream of fire burning out down below me. Like they don't have to make all those spells to try to cover everybody's different idea of how they're going to do stuff they could just say just use this thing and narrate however it's going to look it's up to you and i think that helps them not have to go overboard on it um so i think that's kind of where it was going when i read it i felt like these were very uh gith yankee gith zarai based classes almost like they were they they kind of modeled what the gith yankee would be and the gith zarai would be and even like a soul knife, which is kind of cool in there, because I think that was from a different edition too. At some point, I think there was a very similar thief with psionic oh, yeah. blades, you know, before, and that's what it kind of felt like to me. So in in that respect, it felt very gith to me. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Or if you wanted to tie into Star Wars being out and some of the other things going on, I could easily see these classes being converted into Jedi knights or Jedi mm-hmm. warriors or those kinds of things. Um, if you want to go kind of that a little bit of that route too and you could you could kind of move it to a sci-fi narration if you wanted yeah. to even though it's still fantasy based so it gives them some options i think this is probably the most likely version of Cyanox we're going to see because it it seems like they're shying away from what everybody wants them to do which is make Cyanox its own thing not connected to spells and spell casting right make it point-based psionics or make it its own system in some way completely contained in its own that's what i think everybody kind of keeps thinking is going to happen because that's what they did before and that, yeah i was about to say isn't that I what they think did in the gonna... past like it was uh and and i and i'm going back to that uh that mystic knight and i think that was like points and stuff and how you did did things but uh i i'm going back to the forgotten realms novels that a lot of like the psionic abilities can mimic spells so it it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense and I think also that Wizards of the Coast, like, we don't want to break something that's working. And and the spell system is working really well. So why don't we just, you know, leverage that for our psionic stuff? So yeah. I don't know. It makes sense to me. But, yeah, it's – it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, I really think they did a good job with it. And we're going to see psionics probably the next year. I'm thinking, I think Uh, it's in the 2020 book. It's got to be at this point, but um, we've seen a lot of different versions. So what version are we going to see is going to be interesting. And for what setting, I mean, what setting is known for its psionics? Planescape, which I think a lot of people, Dark Sun, definitely. Spelljammer, which they always say they're not going to do, but I don't know how you don't do something where your entire community always jokes, what's the next campaign? And they all say Spelljammer. Why wouldn't you build that book? <laughs> I don't get it. It's like, no, we're not going to do the most popular thing everybody says. Like, it's not the the 
the default answer is not, hey, Dark Sun's the next one. We all got, you know, wink, wink. But it's Spelljammer, so why wouldn't you do that? Book? Well, it's crazy. Lucian, when you're Wizards of the Coast, I mean, think of the books being released as a chocolate sundae. And they're yeah. building the foundation of ice cream and all this other stuff. And then when they're almost done, that Spelljammer cherry goes right on top. I'm complete okay, at the end. Your D and D, like <laughs> everything you ever wanted in life, right there. So, so they're gonna make us wait to the end. Yeah, oh, them yep. jerks. The cherry on top. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but very cool. I, I think I would play these characters. I, I yeah. was thinking of um, a couple of different fun ways to introduce them in the campaign. I too was very interested in the warrior or the wizard subclass mm-hmm. of it. Because it, it was really different as far as the the mage's body transforming, yeah, and the like you said, the key part of saying, <clears throat> yeah, we know that the optimal spell to take at third level for or not third level, but the the first third level spell you should take for optimal damage in an area of effect area is fireball, and everybody should take it. But the reality is they're they're pushing you to just say, look at the spell list and pick the things that are appropriate, yeah. not just what is the biggest damage you can get out or what is the, you know, um, what does everybody else take, you know? Yeah. And I like that. Cause that's how I do all of my wizards. Like none of my wizards are optimal. All of my wizards are themed. So right now I'm playing a very elemental wizard and the only spells he takes are very elemental though. I wanted it more lightning. So instead of taking fireballs and all that, I went the lightning base route. So shocking grass, lightning bolt. Um, and I wanted it to be, um, very like it was somebody who controlled certain elements but i also did like a desert wizard where it was all based on anything i could get with sand or i could narrate into a sand theme um and it was a i played it as a UNT, um like a a, almost like a desert rattlesnake kind of styled UNT, and it just did all these kind of cool whirlwind abilities and and gusts of wind and and um you know, wall of sand and all those kinds of stuff to make it really cool. And it was very thematic. Like even if you did Bigby's hand, it was a big sand hand yeah. or something, yeah. you know, like Mulder. And I like that doing that as well. Yeah. I, so, I have a female uh, witch that I want to play um, of the sand, a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you Terrible go. pun. There you go. Terrible pun. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the uh, the Earl of Sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Or something. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's cool. And I think I would play it. Um, are you letting, I guess this is a thing, for a DM question, because we're always talking about some of the articles. Are you letting UA stuff into your games? Have yes. your players come to you and say, hey, we really like this article. We want to play Revised Ranger. We want to play, you know, um, yeah. Psychic Warrior or whatever. If there is an official like if it's officially out, like the Spore Druid's now out. So I probably wouldn't say you can use the old uh, UA Spore Druid, even though that was the one I fell in love with. And the one published in Ravnica, I was not as in love with. Uh, mm-hmm. But if they made a strong case to be like, hey, I want to use the UA version of this. I don't know. We could do it. But no, my my player has been doing the Artificer. Um, he's now level five and has a level five Artificer based on the old Artificer UA content. So now the artificer's out and we have had a conversation about whether he wants to like, I'm like, I'm going to give you the option uh, because this is what you signed up for. Not necessarily what was published. I don't want you to like switch everything over. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you want to, you can, 
you know? And so uh, I think he's leaning towards switching over to the official released stuff because he's he wants to play around with it some more. But uh, yeah, we've been doing the Artificer this whole time. Uh, same thing with my Warforged, I guess. Like we're going to have to make the decision of like switching over my Warforged to the new uh, Warforged stats and stuff like that. But no, I, I uh, like using the UA stuff. I think uh, although we play it i've never once taken the surveys to be like this is how i think it's doing so mm-hmm. i i feel bad about that but uh, uh like one shots and stuff i usually leave it open for anybody who wants to try ua stuff go right ahead it's cool so yeah i've been doing be played, it but i've you know? also been trying to remember that a lot of times the initial ua articles come out a little op a little over the top because they always oh, they say yeah they want to release them with a little bit more because it's easier for them to trim out a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it is to it's put out something to pull weak the reins and not get back. Any. Yeah. It's easier yeah. to pull the reins back rather than push it forward. So, and then they know like, okay, this is a really good ability, but it needs to be 2d4 instead of 2d6 or something like that. Yeah. You know, they yeah. Kind yeah. Of so I was kind out. of being a, a little leery of that, but I do, I, a lot of the players, they were big on not this last UA article, but the one just before where it was doing all of the crazy class oh, yeah. change stuff. Yeah. And, um, we're doing that in our Tomb of Annihilation campaign. So a lot of the players have went back and redone their spells or or redone a few things about their abilities. But I'm, I'm trying to keep my wizard pretty much right from the book, right out of the book at this okay. point. But um, it's interesting because there's a lot, there's so many UA articles out right now. You could get overwhelmed with the number of options yeah. DM wise of what's going on. And yeah. if you have three versions of Ranger, you have three versions of Artificer at this point. Um, that's a lot to keep up with. So, but it's cool. Lots of cool stuff around the horizon. I can't wait to see what books they end up being in. Are they in a campaign book? Are they in a mechanics book? That's more of like a, um, like a Xanthor's guide where they just have, here's, you know, five or, you know, two new subclasses for each rate or each class. And then here's some new races and here's some new mechanics for downtime or something, or are they going to put it in? here's a campaign world and here's the classes that fit in that campaign world or, you know, what are we going to get? So an advanced uh, player's handbook or something, or I don't know, they used to know. do that kind of stuff. Back yeah. In the day. Uh, no, at this point, I think they're going to stick with the theme of like, you know, it's going to be Tom's lost notebook of something and they're going to have a name and they're going to, you know, tie it in like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, whether that is, I, I don't know. I think we're going to get, Xanathar sold really well. People want that stuff. And so people that were fans of Dungeons and Dragons, like they rushed out and got Xanathar's more than they rushed out to get the adventures that they've been putting out, like Tomb of Annihilation and things like that, because Xanathar's has options for their homebrew games. And so I think yeah, they're working on another, they're working on another like Xanathar type book, uh, but it's going to, it's going to have a whole range of stuff in it for players and dungeon masters like before. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I, you know, uh, 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 Chris Perkins tweeted out that he's working on something to do with Rav, uh, Ravenloft and Strahd. Mm-hmm. And it got everybody thinking like, oh, they're going to make an official like Ravenloft campaign setting that you can play in or something. Uh, but then this psionic stuff comes out, which makes me think dark sun, but yeah, so I don't know who who knows, but they've been uh, you know this year with Eberron, last year with Ravnica, next year I feel like they're going to do another campaign setting because it's kind of you know it would actually be really cool if we got a legit Forgotten Realms campaign setting because as much as the Sword Coast Adventures Guide is useful, it doesn't have 
doesn't have a lot. It doesn't have a lot. And it's a shorter yeah. book and they really could make a, an official Forgotten Realms. Like if you want to play in the realms, here's all, here's everything. And that would be kind of nice. But I don't mm -hmm. think we'll see that because they're squeezing that lore and that and that timeline into their adventures. So, right. yeah. So very interesting. So um, can't wait to see what it is. I, I think we'll start to get some hints pretty soon. So those shows that are coming up in um, the next probably few weeks, I bet we start to see some hints of what the next campaign, big campaign setting is, or at least the next book, because they haven't told us anything yet. We All the books are out that they've advertised, um, that they've done all the big shows about. Um, so now they got to get us hyped for the next one. <laughs> That's just how the cycle yeah. works. So oh, thanks Agrippa for the, the subscribe on Twitch Prime. Thank you. All right, but I saw another cool thing that you put in the show notes. I think we, we both saw it about the same time, and I, I rushed over to, to add it to our notes, and you had already gotten there, so it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, so uh, they're, they're making a D&D movie. I mean, Dungeons & Dragons is really popular again, uh, mm -hmm. and the rights left the crappy movie studio. I forget what it was. And so now they're back to Paramount, and I think Paramount can make like a – Maybe it's not Paramount. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but they're they're going to try and make like a, a legit awesome Dungeons and Dragons movie, and they want to do this. And all these people uh, are on board with it. They got really good writers, really good directors, and things like that. Uh, they kind of are like forming the story now, the script. But it leaked a little bit that it's going to feature the Eye of Vecna. So this new, uh, and it is Paramount. Thank you. Yeah, this new Dungeons and Dragons movie is going to feature the Eye of Vecna which is really cool. We were talking about the Hand of Vecna last week with my players and things like that. That's a iconic Greyhawk item that has made its way into uh, the, the Dungeon Master's Guide. So it's kind of like, you know, if it's in the DMG, it's it, it spans all campaign settings, I think. Uh, you can throw the Hand or the Eye of Vecna in that. Um, and they talk a little bit about uh, Vecna as being a powerful lich who turned into a god and the remnants of his mortal thing are the hand and the eye of Vecna. Um, also mm -hmm. interesting with this is apparently they're looking for a male actor to voice a certain dragon, a named dragon named, uh, and I'm going to butcher this because I'm really bad at it, but pa Palar, no, Palarandusk. Palarandusk, who is a dragon of the Forgotten Realms, and I had to look him up. Uh, he is a gold dragon that is good and has protected Neverwinter and done a bunch of other things. He's been around for a long time since the Nethril Age. Uh, he tries to keep his identity a secret. Sometimes he walks as a human. Um, I think he had like a library in Neverwinter for a while and things like that. So he's got a whole history to him uh, mm -hmm. and reminds me, I should probably put a make a video on him because that would be you know timely and interesting uh but so even though Aya Vecna is going to be uh Greyhawk uh and a lot of people were thinking they were just going to make like a generic D&D &D movie it looks now that it's going to be Forgotten Realm themed and that they're going to have uh, uh, like the history of the Forgotten Realms kind of in there in some capacity. And that's the the setting they're going with. So I don't know. It, I was really excited and I thought that was really interesting. Um, we're going to have, yeah, just a, I don't know, I have, I have Vecna cool D&D campaign. And a lot of people are speculating, well, in the article, they were speculating that, you know, if they're searching for the Eye of Vecna, that opens it up to Vecna being a boss later on for sequels to this movie and are we going to get dungeons and dragons cinematic universe and things like that so who knows what's yeah. going to happen but 
It seems like, yeah, uh, anytime you make, if it's a good movie, then they always definitely want to do a sequel. Sometimes yeah. even if it's a bad movie, they want to do a sequel. So I could definitely see them opening it up. And it feels like it's that time again where Dungeons and Dragons became popular enough that it really was everything. You could get lunch boxes and cereals and you know Saturday morning cartoons. And it, you were getting like D&D themed, all kinds of stuff at that point, glasses and cups and you could go to mcdonald's or something and there'd be something you know a toy oh, yeah. in the in the happy meal or something so every happy and meal they did comes some shows. with a hand of vecna yeah and they did some shows they've tried to do some i i want my my dream is that they do a show that's very similar like a stranger's thing with that production quality and more of a series because i feel like i'm really into the more series shows than just the movie. The movie is only two hours. It doesn't give yeah. me enough anymore. I'm I'm so greedy that I want more of the show. So like when I'm watching like these things like now like Mandalorian or I'm watching Stranger Things because you get 14 or 15 episodes or you know all these other things you get to dive deep into that. I'm hoping that happens at some point. Game of Thrones. We got nine seasons of you know diving into that, and I would love that kind of thing for for a Dungeons and Dragons especially in Forgotten Realms, which I think would be cool, which would tie into all the books that are out right now. You could really turn it into um, something that more than just people who are playing the game would know about. It becomes, you know, just mm-hmm. a, a full-on world on its own. The characters that they put in there. But, man, they got to do something about the names in Dungeons & Dragons because their names are just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to remember all these really weird, you know, odd pronunciations of things that they have in all their I don't even know how they come up with them is there like some funny person they use at um Wizards of the Coast that just comes up with really odd names like where do you get Palin Palarandusk from well, P-A-L-A-R-A-N-D-U-S-K yeah so um crazy I have some inside knowledge. I shouldn't even really be talking about this, but they have um, this floor that has a bunch of letters on it and they put down geese and wherever the geese poop, that's when they add the letters together and they come up with the names. It's a a complicated system. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Angry geese too. Angry geese, yes. They're always angry. There's no happy geese in the world. Uh, but no, that's really cool. And, and like you said, uh, what we need to do is, is I guess it's baby steps and producers always want to see what's profitable. So if Mm -hmm. the Amazon critical role series is super popular and, and it probably will be because how could it not be at this point? And they're, they're doing a really good job with it. Um, Netflix is going to look at that and be like, oh, we want to make a we want to make a show, you know, uh, uh, Hulu and everybody else. They're going to look at these things. And if the movie does really well, they're going to be like, well, we want to make a movie on this. Uh, What other stories could we make out of this? And then all of a sudden Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast is like, we have stories up the wazoo for this. And they might be like, well, you did a you did a Forgotten Realms movie. We want to do a Dragonlance TV show or we want to do this. So uh, I really I mean, it's where the money is. And all of a sudden, if these things, if these properties make money, which Critical Role is going to make money because it already has made money, it made enough money on Kickstarter that Amazon said, we want to make a, we want to buy an extra season of this. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's the direction you have to go. You have to impress the investors, I guess. And Mm -hmm. I think they will be impressed. So if this movie does well, which it probably will, because there's, there's good people behind it. I mean, movies can always flop. 
the I always think of the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie that had really good writers, an excellent director. Ryan Reynolds is a good star. He had all of these really good things, and then that movie was just awful. Like it, it just was didn't so get bad. There. And it was yeah. like, but you had you had these amazing writers and you had this director, and, and so it can happen. Uh, but well, you know, who knows? That's I'm hoping though. I I really think like you're like I want this. I want this Mandalorian Netflix series. I think we'll get that at some point, you know? Yeah. Game of Thrones. Well, and thinking style. of some of their stories. I mean, if you think of them in a cinematic way, not as a, Hey, I want to play that campaign. Right. Or, Hey, I'm going to write a book about that. Like cinematically, you're going to have big visuals. Which one are you going to pick? Like storm King's thunder could be a visually impressive story to tell through a series or even a movie franchise that has several movies where you just have, because just some of the things you can do with the giants attacking big cities and heroes trying to stop giants or working with some giants, but fighting other giants. And there's a big thing going on there. And a lot of, a lot of visual, I'm trying to think of like a tomb of annihilation. You could get like some really popular movies out there. Um, um, what was the one that had um, the rock eventually was the bad. It was like his film debut as the Scorpion King. What, yeah. was, what did that spawn from though? What was the movie? The, the mummy. Yeah. 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 The, the original ones, like the original one, those were really cool because they were very Indiana Jones ish in a way. So I could see them doing a tomb of annihilation in an in Indiana Jones theme. And that could be cinematically cool if they brought, you know, brought out what that would look like. What is it like? visually going through this this tomb what is the lost city of omu look like what is the big jungle and the 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 stuff that roams there that you can go i mean there are some really cool visuals you could get out of that and it would drive a movie that could be really cool so they have all kinds of stuff they could pull from to, to do very cool real stories not tongue-in-cheek stories not making fun of people's stories um you know not like okay we zoom into everybody in their basement playing and they wearing their cloaks and their stuff and they're they're rolling their dice and whatever and eating their pizza off their boxes and all that stuff they could really just go like no we're going to tell a story about this world which is an amazing world and show you crazy cool visuals you know what i want to see now more than anything is exactly (laughs) what you did really cool world you know, like in, in crazy visuals and like everybody taking it seriously and they're invested in this world and then roll credits. And then the post credit scene is a bunch of 14 year olds around a table going, (laughs) you know, saying, thank you, DM. That was a great story. And him being like, you're welcome. And they're like, awesome. And then you hear mom upstairs, like, you want dinner? And like, that would be, that would, (laughs) that's exactly what I want. That would be so good. (laughs) So I'm excited for it. Now, do we think this is the Joe? I always say his last name, Mag, Magniello, 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 Joe, awesome Joe. Um, Do we think this is the project he's been pushing and getting moving forward? Is this a different project or this? We think this is the one he's a part of. No, I'm pretty sure it's the one he's a part of, uh, or he's the one that's been pushing for it. And there's been a bunch of other uh, actors that were interested in, in it like uh uh chris pratt vin diesel a bunch of other people are kind of like no you're i like dungeons and dragons i want to be in a D movie so yeah. yeah you know they yeah so it should be really cool but uh yeah uh joe is is uh is invested in this and he's been he's not a producer he's not a writer but i think he's he's pushing it forward in hollywood circles so cool well i'm excited to see it but probably not a 2020 movie though right 2021 
2021 two years people script hasn't been finished hasn't been filmed yet uh but they are the article that i read which i can put in chat i guess uh is uh, a 2021 article or 20 they say 2021 so yeah yeah well and it does remind me like the one thing that was super popular in ready player one the book was when they they're talking about the vr part obviously jacking in and that was all cool but what really drove that book home for a lot of people is when he jacks in, he finds the uh, one of the clues, and sort of a little spoiler here, but, and they recreate in virtual reality, the tomb of annihilation or one of the, one of the big Gary Gygax, you know, dungeon things. Mm-hmm. And you can go in and, and part of the story is him taking his character through that to get stuff. And I just thought that was a really cool thing. So we know it's popular, this idea of, you know, being thrown into this world and seeing it. I would love to see what it would look like visually. I would love to see, you know, a J.J. Abrams, a, people were putting in there, you know, like a Steven Spielberg, you know. I would watch a Martin Scorsese D&D show, you know. I don't know. I would, I would watch some crazy, just take, you know, a, 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 any, any of these great directors that are out right now to, to be able to run with something like this, a Chris mm-hmm. Nolan D&D movie or a, a Tiki Wad, what's his last Taika name? Taika Waititi. Yeah, Tycho. <laughs> I get them all mixed up in my head. <laughs> Those would be good too. So I'm excited. I can't wait to kind of see it. Talking about videos, um, there was a couple of videos they put out this week on the D&D channel. If you missed them, they were the Lore You Should Know videos, definitely based on Eberron because we had that book just released last week or the week before at this point. Um, it was one video on halfling and dinosaurs and how the halflings fit into the world of Eberron and then one on criminal syndicates and how they fit into the world of Eberron. So being our Eberron aficionado, I know you did some videos on them. You're still doing videos on them. Uh, have you done a halfling and dinosaur video yet? I haven't. Uh, okay. there are, uh, other continents and I could be wrong about this, but I mean, I, I'm not wrong about there being other continents in Eberron. Um, but, uh, yeah, they kind of have, uh, the halflings have their own, I think their own area and there's dinosaurs there, uh, which if you buy the, uh, Eberron rising from the last war, there are some velociraptor type, uh, dinosaurs that are great for druids, um, like to shape change into and things like that. So really good options there. Um, and then I think Zendrick, Zendrick? something like that is uh, where the drow live and they don't live underground. They live in these weird jungles with giants and stuff like that. So again, Mm -hmm. Eberron takes the races that we're all familiar with, but kind of, I mean, you have drow that are on the surface. You have like these nomadic, not nomadic, but uh, uh, like tribal kind of halflings that ride dinosaurs and do crazy things like that. So they, I don't know. Keith Baker really created his own world. Like he didn't just be mm. like, here's another fantasy world. Like he wanted it to be different. And so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and it yeah. sounded like the, from the part I read that the dino, it's not about the big dinosaurs. It's about a, the, the smaller size, yeah. fast, agile dinosaurs. Yeah. There's pterodactyls um, the way Chris that they fly on and things it. like that. Yeah. So I didn't watch the video, sadly I've been busy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah. The, and so uh, there's, there's something for everybody in Eberron. I think, you know, you got, yeah weird magic robots and you've got halfling dinosaur people and you've got weird tribal drow and uh goblins and orcs are not necessarily evil there's no evil races in eberron it's just kind of how everybody fits into society and and so the orcs are are more like 
kind of like World of Warcraft orcs, where they're they're not necessarily evil, but they're they're like druids and shamans and stuff, and and goblins are like tinkerers with the gnomes and things like that. And so you mm -hmm. you could play a goblin, you could play an orc, and and I, that's why Eberron released a new orc stack block that ha doesn't have the minus to intelligence because orcs and Eberron aren't necessarily stupid evil brutes. They're mm -hmm. they're uh, they're intelligent, like connected to nature kind of creatures. So yeah. Very cool. Really right. cool well, I think that was about all I saw for uh, news out this week. We're still keeping our eyes open for leaks of any what the new book might be. Um, I know we're starting to get towards the Christmas season, so they've got their full catalog out for this year. Mm -hmm. And you can go out and get any of the books that have been released this year. No other book is scheduled to be released this year, I don't think. After I don't remember any December release dates on anything. There's plenty of different box sets you can get right now. There's plenty of different books you can get right now to add to your D&D collection. There's dice sets, 25th anniversary dice sets. There's, um, they're still putting out the spell book cards and the minis, um, all that stuff's out there. Player mats and all that kind of stuff. D&D screens. I'll also say all this, that, that stuff. Amazon is having a sale of buy two Wizards of the Coast D&D books and get a third free. So if you wanted to stock up on some D&D books, uh, and I think it's most of them, uh, they have mm -hmm. a list of like what's available. But yeah, you could pick up like Eberron and Tomb of the Tomb of Annihilation and then get Ravenloft for free or something. So yeah, definitely check Very that cool. out. So other than that, um, one of these days, I'm going to make a little nice little segue screen that I can flash here to move on to our next part of the show which is called Bardic Inspiration or Appendix D. I think that maybe just be the whole big name of it. Okay. <laughs> and it seemed like th this was great for me because I looked at the show notes early this week and Jordan had already written something in. So something inspired <laughs> him this week uh, that he was ready to talk about. So I'm going to let him jump off. What was your Bardic Inspiration? What is your GM inspiration for our community? So uh, this actually came from one of my players and my dungeon master, uh, and we were we have a group chat that we all kind of chat throughout the week and drop D and D news and talk about stuff. And he's been listening to a band called Glory Hammer, and I had never heard of them, but uh, he said something that you know sparked my imagination. Where he's like, "Man, each of these song titles could be the inspiration for a whole campaign." And I was like, "Let me go look at this." So I I Google <laughs> search Glory Hammer and I start looking at them up. And I did, and then so I wrote down like the the and these are song names that I was like, no, you could literally just go off this song name and have an entire campaign based off of what <laughs> the, you know, be inspired by this. So I wrote down my favorites, and I'm gonna read them off to you. Glory Hammer, the band song, Infernus ad Astra. I'm not sure what you could do with that, but you know, the, uh -huh. the demons or something. Who knows? Uh, mm -hmm. Rise of the Chaos Wizards. I want to play in that. I want to play that. Don't you want to play that game? Yeah. yeah Legend of the Astral Hammer. That's a good one. That's I could a, see that see? being a campaign. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, "What are you doing?" Oh, I got to play my Legend of the, of the Astral Hammer game. Uh, mm -hmm. This one I really want to play in. Goblin King of the Dark Storm Galaxy. I like it. Uh, and Struther's Dark Prophecy. There's always a dark prophecy a to dark deal prophecy. with. This is the other one I want to play in. The Unicorn Invasion <laughs> of Dundee. <laughs> Oh, boy. Evil <laughs> unicorns. you got to have evil something. unicorns. I don't know. It's great. And then the last one, uh, the epic rage of furious thunder. 
So, oh, that'd be so good. You know, Lucian always talks about you being Lucian. You always talk about mm -hmm. uh, being that inspired guy. by everything. But uh, yeah, and so I just thought that was really cool. It reminded me, and I'm trying to think of the band name, and I can't think of it, but WebDM was talking about this band that he really loved. And I ended up listening to some of that. And it was just a lot of like instrumental kind of operatic music and mm -hmm. he got inspired uh and i prove it i think got inspired by his by that album to make his Spelljammer campaign it, yeah. oh it's called the swords the band's called the swords i just remembered and mm. and so yeah this glory hammer you're listening to this and you're like what is this called rise of the chaos wizards man i'm gonna go home and write that campaign and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna have nine chaos wizard lords that descended down and have oppressed the community of this area for like nine years and now mm -hmm. you are rising up uh you the goblin king of the Darkstorm galaxy are rising up to fight <laughs> against these chaos wizards with your uh astral hammer and i don't know it's just really cool stuff using unicorns yeah i almost feel like that should be a, a saturday morning D, D show on youtube where we sit around and we take that and we actually flesh it out to say this is the adventure we would build just using, like you said, this title is the inspiration. Where do we take it from there? And yeah. just like do like a live stream of a campaign building. Uh, Matt Colville does them every now and then where he does big world building, campaign building kind of kind of streams. I could see where you could just take that as the, the nugget of yep. the starting here's the, point. Here's the, the title of our first. adventure. How yeah. do we build it from the title? You know, how do we you make have the title awesome. of Rise of the Chaos Wizards? <laughs> Then how do we build? How do we build it? That would be that would be really interesting. It'd be fun. Yeah, so. super good. That's super fun. So that's my I my like bardic it. inspiration appendix D, uh -huh. uh, and I Josh, I want to just play in all of those. They're just so yeah, yeah. Anyway. So for all of you out there, make sure in the comments on the YouTube video when it gets posted up on a Monday to go and put in what other song titles you have seen or you like or you've heard of that also could make probably really good D and D campaigns. Uh, we'll have to take a look at all those cause that'd be super cool. My uh, inspiration came because of something I'm also going to talk about a little bit in my games, but the inspiration came from, or at least the idea, the idea of what happens when you build the party first and then you devise the campaign around the party. So you don't have a campaign in mind and then you gather players and say, okay, hey, we're going to play this campaign about um, taking on cultists or whatever. Um, so everybody start rolling up characters and it'll be cool and try to make them fit. What if before the dungeon master even made one thought about the campaign, had not even a single idea, had the characters get together, build characters find a way to make them all work together and then build the campaign from that idea. And that was kind of what this was. And I thought, Oh, this is a really interesting kind of thing. So here was the example that sparked this in my mind. Um, during our um, tomb of annihilation game, there was kind of a weird downtime for some of us players while other players were doing something. And we decided just out of fun to randomly roll some characters, generate some characters from another system. I just happened to have it on my desk. So we were goofing around because we just needed to fill some time while we were waiting for what was happening. And so two of the players were just like, okay, we'll do it. We'll roll some dice. And when they rolled an apothecary and a pit fighter, 
So I was thinking in my mind, and then the, the adventure starts going again and everybody's playing their normal characters. But in my mind, an apothecary and a pit fighter starts rolling around there slowly. Then the, then the night's adventure is over and I go and I go to lay down to go to bed for the night and still the apothecary and the pit fighters rolling around. I start building this amazing story about how this pit fighter works for a um, gladiator school is, is being trained at a gladiator school. And the head of the gladiator school is an ex gladiator who's won his freedom and now runs his own school. Very Spartacus like the apothecaries definitely has been brought in to help with a wound that this pit fighter has taken recently in one of the fights. But during this is when the leader of the, gladiator school reveals to the apothecary character and the pit fighter character that his whole sole purpose is to hunt down those that had killed his family and his family had gotten killed while he was a gladiator and he couldn't do anything about it because basically he was a slave and he couldn't just leave and go investigate and go find and hunt down these people but he won his freedom and now he's been searching and hunting and he finds the information and he wants these two to help him go and do this thing so it's just this idea of building a a intricate story around what the characters had built and they, it was complete random for them what they rolled up you know so i thought it was really interesting so this idea of build your party first have them connected in some way find a story thread that connects those people then as a dungeon master take that one story thread and spin it into your campaign don't come into it with a preconceived ideas of what you want your campaign to be build a campaign based off of what the players would be. What do you think of that idea? I thought that was kind of fun. No, it is fun. And it makes me think of uh, uh, something that I've wanted to do, a kind of a different spin on it. But like, yeah, have everybody come and make their characters. So Mm -hmm. you're like, I have a a changeling wizard and I have, I don't know, a dwarf, this blah, blah, blah. And then after their characters are made, lay out a battle grid and draw the map of the world and be like, where do the dwarves live? We've established mm-hmm. that there are dwarves in this campaign because you wanted to play a dwarf. Where do they live? <laughs> where do the changelings live? Do they get along? Are there dwarf yeah. changeling uh, societies together kind of a thing? And then allow the, the, the players to build the world and then, and mm-hmm. then they leave. That's your session zero. And then you have a week to be like, how do I, where's the conflict? How do I develop this into something interesting? Uh, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I really like that too. And then, at, you know, the players get to play A, the races and the classes they want. But at the same time, they also get to uh, decide how their race and character fits puzzle piece into that world. You know, am I a, am I a simic hybrid from Ravnica that we live in undersea dwellings that rarely come to the surface, but my character is. And so he's kind of like confused and scorned upon. Core, and then you build the rest of the puzzle around it. Oh, there he is. Yeah. I don't know. I reset my router like twice and I'm still getting these, these hangups. It makes these little hiccups. Yeah. That's okay. You were on the, on the, yeah, you were just saying, you know, putting the puzzle pieces together. So I kind of ran with the puzzle, yep. puzzle yeah. analogy. That's exactly that. it. So, so you have like yeah. a simic hybrid and anyway, you get to decide how they fit into the world. And I like that a whole mm-hmm. bunch. And so uh, anything that helps your players be invested in the world they're playing in 
uh, is something that I really enjoy. And, yeah. and allowing them to help build it with you is, is just, that's really cool. So, yeah. Very, yep, very cool. So that was my idea of Bardic Inspiration. And for those of you, go to the uh, the chat area and tell us about what your Bardic Inspiration was for this week also. Did you have something you watched? Did you have something you read? Did you have something that you just passed by on the side of the road? And it just all of a sudden in your brain just blossomed with this, oh, that could make a really cool campaign idea and run with it and uh, let us know. Um, all these little kernels that ever, all of us can throw out there and put into the world might grow into something someday. If somebody hears and goes, you know what? I like that idea too. I'm going to make a campaign on it. <laughs> uh, I'm still so into Mandalorian that I'm, I've got this big Mandalorian like uh, campaign running through my head too, especially after the last ep- episode that we just watched chapter four. Oh, so good. But that leads us into our games of the week. And it looks like Jordan has just a huge, big area of notes here about games he played <laughs> no nope, i've been reading descent into avernus and i have played no games because <laughs> couldn't get anything going at the last minute uh and my it was thanksgiving weekend so everybody was busy so hopefully this wednesday or next saturday so yeah he was our he was role-playing a dad so yeah. he's been role-playing a dad been working on his voices been working my on jokes <laughs> his character sleep his skills <laughs> But uh, so I did get to play a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons. I have, um, well, we'll we got to start with our last Saturday recap. I kind of put it out of order. But as you remember, if you were at our show last Saturday, I was talking about that later that day, I was going to be going and playing in Descent into Avernus. Um, and so that's being run by the awesome Dungeon Master LB, who you also saw on a previous show. Um, she's running a game at her house, sitting around a table, so it's pretty cool. And um, I, I don't know if this was true, and, and she's in chat, so she might she might verify it. But it felt like to me that maybe the party didn't do the things she thought the party was going to do. So thus, she had prepped what she thought we were going to do, and I think we did other stuff. <laughs> so it's that 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 very quintessential that 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 um, I don't want to say that problem uh, all dungeon masters face. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> that we all run into the cliche or um, I'm trying to think of another word. It's just at the tip of my tongue. But this idea that you did all this prep, you you had everything ready, you really for sure thought you knew what the party was going to do. And then they take a right turn. (laughs) And so things just go off the rails. So it was funny for me to sit there and think, well, shoot, I think this is going off the rails because I don't think she's prepared for what these players are trying to do. And it's funny that in this group only, do I think of the players as something separate from me? I almost play like a character that's an outsider to the players themselves, but I'm always looking at the game from a dungeon master perspective too. Cause I, I like descent into Avernus and I'm always thinking, Oh, if I run this, I want to do this little thing. And when I try to run it and, Oh, this would be a cool thing that I like, or I like what, you know, LB did here. I want to remember to do something cool like that. Um, so I'm kind of looking at it from a dungeon master's point of view and i'm watching it unfold this idea that i think now i it, maybe she knew exactly what we we're doing she had all this prep which could be very well be true and i just misread the whole thing but it felt like we went on a, a left turn and threw everything off so i'm wondering 
how she's going to recover the next, because at the very end, she gave my character a clue to, I think, get us back on track, like introduced an NPC that gave us a piece of information that put us back where we needed to be. Cause we were just like, we just didn't have any idea. And then the second thing, there's something interesting going on with the players I'm in where a couple of them will, will get a plan in their mind and they will never deviate once that plan is set. Like no matter what you do, no matter how often you say, I don't think that's going to work or no matter how that much the, the DM tries to hint, Hey, that's not going to happen. They keep going at that plan. Like they're convinced this is the only plan that'll work and we have to do this plan and there is no other plan. And so they're just going to keep pushing it forward and keep pushing it forward because it has to work, you know, and I'm just we have like, to assassinate the King. We could talk to yeah. him. No, he needs yeah. to die. No, like- <laughs> no, no. He definitely needs to die. We have to figure out how to kill this person. Yeah. So I was wondering, have you run into this in any of your games as either a player or a dungeon master where the players themselves got fixated on a single plan and didn't seem to deviate from it. Just were, we're really only going to do that one thing. And then as a dungeon master, you're trying to think, well, I know this isn't going to work, but how do I get us move past this? Cause they are obviously not going to change what they're doing. Yeah, no, uh, it happened in my hot Springs Island game. And, uh, but that's so open that I was like, actually your plan sounds really cool. And I changed a lot of the story and the mechanics so that what they were pursuing was a viable way to win and finish the campaign. And uh, I, okay. and I liked that idea about it. So, uh, but, and that's the only one that comes to mind off the top of my head, but I'm sure that's happened many times. And I, I just, uh, yeah, I think I told this story a couple of weeks ago where my players had the option of going over the mountain or under the mountain and they told me they wanted to go over. And then right before they were like ready to head out, they're like, whoa, 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 let's rethink this. And mm-hmm. they were then considering going <laughs> under. And I'm like, but I prepped all of this stuff for you to go over the mountain. Like you're seriously, seriously. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it happens all the time. It happens all the yeah, time yeah, because yeah. people are people. So, yep. Yep. They make decisions. So I thought that was pretty funny. So that's kind of what happened in my descent into Avernus uh, session. So we, we felt like, the thing was we were trying to get information and the way we were going about it was very ham hock, very, very heavy handed. Um, and it does remind me a little bit too of this disconnect sometimes that we have is we're hero players um, and we're talking with lowly townsfolk and lowly townsfolk should just tell us what we want because we're heroes, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can never understand why they wouldn't tell us what we want. It doesn't make any sense. We're the heroes. Tell us what we want. Why are you not telling us what we want? Um, but the reality of, of uh, a world that's a little bit more gripped in, re- and I say reality, knowing we have dragons and elves and spells, <laughs> and yeah, I get it. <laughs> but this idea that not everybody just freely gives out information and not everybody has the information you need. Not everybody wants to give you that information. And, and how do you go about it without just murder hoboing your way through the whole yeah. thing? So it's definitely interesting to see that the group and the group is really it's a group that has this interesting dynamic of, of lots of um, players of different styles that are really different from each other. So it's not like a group where all four players are very similar. So the styles are all kind of the same and they mesh really well together. This is a group that's just like, we have a lot of different play styles and we're all in the same thing. 
and we're having to try to make it work, which is, and I, I always watch Graybeard, who's also in that um, campaign with me, trying to be the glue that binds the group together because if somebody does something crazy, he's trying to figure out a way that to lessen that crazy, but to still let the crazy happen, but to make it happen in a way that the crazy will work for us. You know, it's like, so he's, his mind is just reeling through how am I going to make this work when they're doing this really weird and crazy stuff that they want to do. And I think it's fun. It's just a funny way to kind of look at the whole thing. It, It adds an extra challenge to it Mm -hmm. so that's been really fun uh not really any spoilers there i'm trying to stay spoiler free i know jordan's about to do a video on avernus and i can't even be able to watch it because i'll know too much then um but that'll be pretty good it's been pretty fun and i'm interested to see where we go we're not in avernus yet so we've been doing a lot of non-avernus stuff so far (laughs) so if you're yeah yeah so if you're thinking about running this adventure be aware that there's plenty of not in Avernus stuff to do. So you you don't have to worry too much about that when you do that. That'll be the only spoiler I give you. Um, my Monday Night Seeking Revenor is my West Marches 5e game. And this is the one that I've been running now. We're on like session 19. This might be the longest single group running through my, my West Marches. I've, I've done a pre-campaign. I've done a, a a version of the West Marches that I liked. And then I did a reboot of that and did just a one group. And so we're we're really diving into this and they were about to go back out to the black pyramid. They came across the tracks of a big war band and they realized that the war band, because they keep going after this pyramid, they keep trying to end the evil that's there. Well, the evil that's there is decided they're tired of these adventures coming over and messing with them all the time they're ready to go mess back. So they've sent a war band over to where the players are tracking them down. And the players have realized there's this huge war band that's now marching on their Abbey that they've created their Abbey of St. Timor. And, uh, the, the adventure was them trying to follow this army, trying to figure out how many there are, what they are, what they're doing They get in a fight. But next Monday, just in a few days, we're going to have the siege of, um, the Abbey of St. Timor, which I think is going to be pretty cool because I am using some of the um, stuff from Strongholds and Followers okay. and a little bit of the the warfare stuff that he has in there. But not. I'm, I'm also going to do a little bit of hybrid of my own where there's units fighting units, but then the players are out there doing stuff while units are fighting units kind of thing. Um, so that's going to be pretty fun. I'm excited about that. It's... Um, kind of a a turning point for the campaign as far as if they can defeat this force and they can finally put an end to this black pyramid that kind of wraps up a lot of the big evils except the overarching story which is the story of the dragons and so they kind of get to focus there so that's that's been really fun being able to create this world and really kind of start pushing it forward they had an npc that they did resurrect um, which was really cool to have this idea that they they liked the NPC enough that they wanted to resurrect him. So that was always cool as a GM to see that because I was just ready, you know, I, I didn't have any one way or the other care, but they were really attached. So I thought that was cool. Um, and then we played Tomb of Annihilation on Wednesday night with our wonderful dungeon master, uh, Danimal, who's from Australia. I always like to say I have an Australian DM also, and it's really cool. Does lots of cool voices. And this was, this is, I only have a few minutes here. Um, This happened, and I wonder if this has happened in any of your games. The party comes upon a room, and there's a puzzle in the room, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. One of the players tries something, 
and disappears, we know we're thinking, uh oh, he's been teleported somewhere else. And now we're thinking part of our group's here, that person's there. How long do you wait to see what happens for that player? Or do you send somebody else in or do you send the whole all the party in or or what? Do we all go to our desks? Do we just let one person go to their desk? So we send another person in and that person also disappears. And then we're like, well, we're going to wait five minutes to see what happens. And then we'll make a decision because if, if they're not back in five minutes, something's gone wrong. Well, in Dungeons and Dragons, the problem is five minutes is a very long time when you're talking about rounds in a fight, right? So if they're in there fighting something and they're starting at six second rounds, five minutes is an eternity. Five minutes, you're out of the game at that point. It's relying on them. So what ended up happening is they were fighting something and it took about 10 rounds for them to resolve. So a 10 round combat in Dungeons and Dragons is basically about an hour and a half of real time. And so what he did is he split us up and he put us in one channel who were on the outside waiting to see what happened. And he took the other players to the other channel so that they could decide what they were going to do. In case we came in after them, we didn't know or hear what was going on, right? We didn't metagame the whole thing out. But this became a problem because now you have three of your players for an hour and a half not doing anything while they resolved. And he did keep coming back and say, you guys sure you don't want to do something? You want to, you want to dive in? You want to go in? You're just going to sit five minutes? Uh, okay, I'm going to go back and do them. And now he goes back and they're doing stuff. And we could see their facial expressions and we could see the roles that are happening. We're like, oh, my God, what's going on? But we said we're going to wait five minutes. Yeah. And so this is where we decided we were playing our own mini game where we started rolling up characters for a whole nother game. Just in case we ever had this downtime where we were split once again, we could play our own role-playing game while we were waiting gotcha. for the other things. And that's where that whole thing came from. So we were playing Warhammer fantasy uh, role-playing characters and we were having people roll them up and build backstories and thinking up campaigns while we were sitting and waiting, letting the other group do it. So has this ever happened where your party split so then you took them in different rooms or different areas so that you could work with them. But now one group's in a combat and one group's not. So now the time differential is really a problem. I've separated people when it's like you, you touch this magic object. And then I was like, I need to go talk to you in the other room. And we've done like dice rolls there and stuff, but I've never had like combat like that initiate. Yeah, I think, um, I think what I would have done in that situation is I would have stuck with like uh i would have stuck with you guys waiting and i would have been like okay you guys are gone you're teleported and then the people that are waiting i'm like how long do you want to wait you want to wait five minutes and it's like okay you're waiting five minutes what do you want to do now like nothing happens oh now you want to touch it okay so you touch it and then once they disappear i would go back to the combat or i would start the combat and be like you guys are in combat and it's like, oh, we should have touched it earlier. Like, up oh, too late. You you waited. And I think that's how I would have dealt with uh, it. That would make sense. And now, so they do rather come than back. jumping back and forth, I would have been like, yeah. if you want to wait five minutes, this is what you're doing. Um, so that they don't think, like, you know, see facial expressions and try to metagame and things like that. So. Yeah, that, that's actually a good idea. That's I like that. Um, they did end up guys coming back in, in five minutes. Yeah, you guys could pop yeah. in at some point. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they solved it, got teleported somewhere, 
survived and then made their way back because they knew where we were. And then they showed up just as we were thinking about going in, they right. show back up from another angle and they're like from a different hallway. And we're like, Oh, you guys are back. Yeah. And then, so then the running joke all week has been, why haven't you, why didn't you guys come in after us? Why did yeah. you just send us to, <laughs> and we were just like, we were waiting. It's like five minutes. How long could that yeah. possibly be? And they had some huge, enormous, and it was like an epic battle. Like if you go back and watch that on Twitch, it's a battle where, the uh, the bard polymorphs himself into a giant t-rex the paladin mounts him and then rides him around like a mount and is fighting some enormous room full of creatures and it turns out to be an epic battle that's happening that whole night and the rest of us were sitting in another channel had no idea what was going on yeah so it was pretty funny so it was interesting i I think the two things I like is the way you solved it, which was cool. But sometimes I think it would be hard to remember in the heat of the moment when it's happening, but I'm going to try to remember it if it happens to me. Um, or two, have a little mini game prepared for anybody that gets separated because mm -hmm. your players can sit there and play a little card game. They could play, you know, they could whip out some magic cards or something. They could roll up some characters for a different campaign or just to play it out of the mind, even if the campaign never runs or even if the idea never happens, they, they, we stayed engaged and we were telling Dan, well, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and run them. We're having fun over here, goofing off with, you know, figuring out how an apothecary and a pit fighter come together. Yeah. And, and this whole thing, we were building up some backstories and just having a good time. So it was pretty fun. Um, just in case that ever happens to you be be have a little mini game prepared for your players in case they get <laughs> separated because they will split the party and we didn't try to but it happened you know yep. it's just one of those things that happens so that right. was it for me i can't wait to see what we're going to do this week in all of the dungeon and dragons games that we're playing and i'm sure next week we'll bring it to you and tell you all about it yeah so. yeah it'll be december uh and we look forward to talking to you next week um, I believe that is our show, everybody. Thank you so much for staying. Thank you for watching. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing these videos with your friends. Um, as always, I am Jordan with Silent PH in the middle. That is Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming, and we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.